Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop? It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com. We look forward to serving you. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. A vast universe exists within and beyond our reality. What we realize with our five senses is but a tiny fraction of all that is real. Welcome to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm Joe Wegent, your guide and advocate as we remove the blinders of our everyday lives and experience together all that exists out there in the world beyond our world. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got an exciting hour set up for you today. Today we are talking to Dr. Rocco Gennaro. He is the uh, philosophy department chairperson and a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern Indiana. He received his PhD in 1991 at Syracuse University, and he had been at Indiana State University in Terre Haute for 14 years before moving to Southern Indiana in 2009. He is also the Philosophy of Mind and Cognitive Science Area Editor for the International Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Dr. Gennaro's primary research and teaching interests are in the philosophy of mind and cognitive science, especially consciousness, metaphysics, early modern history of philosophy, neuroethics, and applied ethics. He is the member of the American Philosophical Association and the Association of the Scientific Study of Consciousness. 
He has published 10 books, either as the sole author or the editor, and over 50 articles and book chapters in these areas. He has recently published a book entitled The Consciousness Paradox, Consciousness, Concepts, and Higher Order Thoughts in 2012. He edited an anthology entitled Disturbed Consciousness, New Essays in Psychopathologies and Theories of Consciousness. Dr. Gennaro has most recently published a book entitled Consciousness in 2017. He is now editing an anthology entitled The Routledge Handbook of Consciousness, which will be coming next year. He is also a co-editor with Casey Harrison of the The Who and Philosophy. So welcome, Dr. Gennaro, to the show. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, Joe. I'm doing fine. Great. So what is it that led you in Syracuse, New York, to take on the, the mantle of philosophy and, and, and get to where you are today? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I grew up in New York City and uh, always was interested in, in philosophy and some of the questions uh, that come up in philosophy. And uh, after college uh, in Manhattan, I went to college at Hunter College in Manhattan, I decided to go up to Syracuse University for grad school and get my Ph.D. I guess part of it is that the um, thing about philosophy is that you can almost sort of like a good excuse to get interested in anything because there's it's so interdisciplinary, obviously, and uh, you can uh, you can really uh, explore a lot of different areas. You know, philosophy of religion, political philosophy, philosophy of mind. Um, now, at some point, obviously, you need to specialize and do a dissertation and publish and in that sense so you have to kind of narrow down uh you can only teach so many types of classes so um uh, the overlap with psychology and neuroscience was always something that interested me too and uh so the combination of those and then like a lot of phds uh, it was kind of tough to get a tenure track job at first um but uh it took me a little while but uh eventually i ended up at uh Indiana State University uh, in Terre Haute in 95 and was there for 14 years, uh, promotion, tenure, that sort of thing, and um, ended up down here in Evansville uh, starting about eight years ago, and I never really thought thought I was going to be a chair of a department or any of that kind of thing, but um, uh, but it's, it was one way that uh, there was a need for a chair here, and so I applied down here and things have worked out pretty well in that regard so far. Um, but uh, philosophy in general is always something, uh, it overlaps with so many areas, metaphysics even, um, topics like uh, free will and uh, even things that you that you mentioned and talk about, uh, I'm sure, about the nature of, uh, ultimate nature of the universe kind of questions. But consciousness and philosophy of mind was always the area that uh, I published most in and was always most interested in. How can concepts of philosophy and how can uh, degree work in that field uh, be applied in everyday situations or every, everyday opportunities that are not involved in scholastic study or, or teaching? Well, I mean, um, as far as what we tell, for example, our students, right, they're, and advertise uh, philosophy as a major, I mean, philosophy majors, it's only a small percentage of 
philosophy majors that go on to sort of do what what I've done. I mean, not just go on for the PhD, but but also to um, to uh, end up, you know, in the academic world. Um, some will go on to. Um, there's always been a historical connection to going on for a law school. Uh, okay, well, we're going to get right back to that well. as soon as we come back from our first break. My friends, we have to cut away okay. for our first segment here. We'll be right back in just a moment with Dr. Gennaro and Philosophy of Consciousness. We'll be right back. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. 
please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. And this hour, we are talking with Dr. Rocco Gennaro, who is the chair of the philosophy department at University of Southern Indiana. And we're discussing the uh, philosophy of consciousness. Dr. Gennaro, uh, there are so many views on what is the brain and what is the mind and what is consciousness. And there are so many views on, you know, does consciousness stop with the brain? Is the mind a separate unit from the brain? Uh, what happens if the brain becomes damaged? Uh, what is the relationship between consciousness and the, the physical brain? Well, I mean, even though there are some problems perhaps with this view or objections, um, I think probably I tend to think that consciousness uh, or having conscious mental states, to be more specific, like perceptions and thoughts and feelings and so on, um, does depend on a properly functioning brain. Um, and um, that's not quite itself materialism, as it's called. Materialism, usually the conscious states are identical with brain states. Um, maybe that's a plausible position. Uh, in some ways, uh, I'm sympathetic with it. Um, but there's so many different types of materialism and so on. The opposing view is... Uh, uh, it's called dualism. Again, there are many different versions of dualism, uh, that the idea that the mind or conscious states are um, non-physical somehow or uh, can't be reduced to brain activity. Um, but at the very least, it seems like from, for example, brain damage evidence, that when the areas of the brain are damaged in very specific ways, uh, severe damage to the visual cortex, immediately eliminates uh, conscious visual perception, for example, uh, the visual cortex being in the back of the brain. Um, you have a stroke in, in uh, language comprehension area, uh, you can't understand speech. Uh, there are all kinds of what are called psychopathologies, uh, some of them very strange. Um, and... Um, including autism and other kinds of problems, schizophrenia, psychopathologies, uh, and so on, some that uh, obviously alter or damage entirely um, the ability 
the conscious activity in question. So Alzheimer's patients, uh, there's damage to the brain. It's a slowly progressive disease, and slowly their mental activity and conscious ability, for example, to remember and other things are destroyed. So at least... I mean, you, at least I can understand, and maybe the most natural conclusion to draw from that is that, well, you know, if if brain activity, if damage to the brain causes damage to the mind, conscious activity, or eliminates the ability to have certain conscious states, I guess I can I can see where someone would would say, well, wouldn't it kind of follow from that, or isn't it reasonable to think that well, once all brain activity ceases uh, upon death, for example. Um, then all of your consciousness goes. Now, that's not a palatable position for many because uh, it would seem to imply there could be no afterlife or, you know, life after death or immortality, depending on the religion in question or the views of people in question. But if you look at it purely from a ter- in terms of inductive evidence or empirical evidence or uh, how the mind and proper conscious activity seems to depend on brain activity that uh, seems to follow from it. Now, there may be some problems or or objections to it, um, but um, even some forms of dualism still hold, really, that conscious mental states depend on brain functioning. So even if they're not identical with the brain activity, again, uh, once the brain activity stops, the mental activity stops. Uh, and as I said, that's not you know that's not palatable to many um, Western religions, especially or Western uh, beliefs in terms of life after death, immortality, and so on. Um, there may be ways of uh, either getting around that or seeing if there's a possibility of life after death some other way, or there are some phenomena that maybe uh, give people some some pause to, for that conclusion. So, for example, sometimes people will point to things like near-death experiences and say, well, isn't that a case where, you know, consciousness seems to go on, but there's brain death, or at least for a short period of time. And, and uh, the problem with that, of course, is, I mean, a materialist, for example, is going to say, you know, those are, that's the result of a dying brain, uh, lack of oxygen. Basically, there it's a, it's a hallucination of a certain type, and it's not that all meant brain activity has ceased when that happens. It's um, a lot of brain activity ceased. There's been usually a situation of an emergency room scenario where a person is uh, near death, but um, brain activity can be recovered, and it's not as if in those situations, you have somebody checking uh, to make sure all brain activity is ceased. Um, but obviously, if there's if it if it there's ever a situation where you could show that there's conscious mental activity without any brain activity, that would be a, a good argument against uh, something like materialism, but in favor of a form of dualism and life after uh, life after death. It's just one that's kind of hard to pin down, hard to really make a sense of. Um, There are similar experiences that people have um, that can be explained maybe through the brain. So, 
for example, stimulating an area of the brain um, is now known, is one area of the brain is now known to cause uh, out-of-body experiences. And, um, you know, that leads at least many to think, you know, well, it's all just brain activity, you know. <laughs> and uh, some of them are very strange. And just like the um, abnormal kinds of phenomena, um, that uh, people suffer from all kinds of uh, delusions, illusions, and hallucinations. Well, that would just be another example of it. But obviously, many people, um, I don't think people, anybody questions when somebody uh, reports about a near-death experience that people usually don't doubt that the person's having that experience or even that it has a profound effect on them. But I guess what people will be, be skeptical of, some, especially you know materialists, is that that shows a uh, is a real glimpse of some objective, you know, afterlife or something like that. They're going to obviously, if there's a way to explain it scientifically, in terms of uh, the brain, that's that's what what they'll sort of do. So, so um, you know, the dependency of conscious brain activity seems to to be prevalent um, in the sense that whenever there's damage to very specific areas of the brain. Uh, the conscious mental activity uh, in that area of the brain is either severely damaged or destroyed. And uh, you see this kind of thing, uh, you know, all the time, obviously, in tragic kinds of cases, uh, car accidents, brain traumas, tumors in the brain, uh, like I say, progressive diseases like Alzheimer's and that sort of thing. So um, I guess the other thing that comes up sometimes in this uh, context is, if there is an afterlife and consciousness can continue, what kind of afterlife would it be if you have a situation where you have a uh, an elderly woman, say, dying of Alzheimer's and slowly losing, say, memory uh, or being able to recognize some, and then the person dies, let's say, if someone were to say, well, the person still goes on, there's an afterlife, well, what kind of an afterlife would it be if the consciousness that she has at the end of her life is what continues on, you know, some, in some capacity? Uh, that seems like, uh, it almost seems like torture instead of a kind of heavenly, uh, you know, heavenly, pleasant, uh, happy afterlife. So there are some other kinds of puzzles and problems uh, for that view. Um, and when I mention the afterlife, I really referring to the Western conception of an afterlife, you know, that there's something beyond it, that, that you as a person continue to exist. And you, it's a continu, it's continuity between this life and uh, an afterlife. Uh, the reason I mention that is that's the more standard view of, of personal identity in Western philosophical tradition and in Western theology. Eastern philosophy is a whole different story, right? I mean, you have... Uh, Buddhists don't believe in, an, for example, a transcendent God or heaven. Or, um, there's different views, Hindus, um, Buddhists, um, very different views. You have something maybe, uh, in some cases, more like a reincarnation view. But, you know, it's hard to understand how that would work. Some people do believe in it. Obviously, a lot of people do. But it's also, uh, in a, far from the Western point of view, at least, of immortality, uh, people the problem that people have is, well, wait a minute, you know, if, if if memory or if you don't really continue, then in what sense 
uh, is there really an afterlife if, if there's no memory or there's no continuity and you know you, you you come back so to speak in reincarnated form you know that's not what at least in western uh, religions or western uh tradition is viewed as uh, as continuing an afterlife a personal identity of sorts um so there are major differences in eastern and western uh, perspectives on immortality now you could believe this is an unusual position, but you could be a materialist about the mind and say, you know, basically that conscious uh, mental states or brain states, and uh, but also think in the Western tradition that an afterlife is possible, but it's more like um, it's more like a resurrection concept, which of course you have in the Bible. So in other words, uh, there are some uh, philosophers even in a Christian kind of tradition of uh, of resurrection where they might, they've said things like, well, maybe, you know, maybe materialism is true about our body and brains, but maybe when you die, uh, uh, God, um, who they would believe exists in the first place, I mean, that's a, a major, you know, assumption in a sense, but they have other reasons to believe there's a God that, Maybe at that point, you know, maybe God duplicates you physically, and heaven or, or an afterlife is a physical place somewhere else, uh, wherever in the universe, or um, or um, or God does something, you know, right around the moments of death to preserve what's essential about you physically. Um, now we know that bodies aren't don't disappear after uh, funerals, right from graves. So it must be something, uh, it'd have to be like a duplication or something more than that. But, you know, that view obviously is uh, is even a view that many find a little bit odd, uh, even from a Western perspective, that certainly the traditional view is, you know, the more standard view of a almost like a non-physical heaven of some kind or something like that. But, you know, many people have problems with how that makes sense too. Right? What kind of place is it? Does it make sense to talk about? non-physical minds uh, that sort of thing and how could non-physical minds causally interact with each other and you know that that kind of thing so there are other objections to that view including um including various dualist views about the nature of consciousness uh, here on uh, uh earth there's um descartes famously uh, proposed. Well, I want to come back to this in just a moment. We have to cut away oh, okay. to another break. Uh, my friends, you are listening to the World Beyond Radio Show, and we are discussing consciousness with Dr. Rocco Gennaro. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. And I want to tell you about a great provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Find Your Path Home Shamanic Art Center is your resource for reliable, leading-edge information, education, and healing. Offering our brand new online galactic shamanism classes, long-distance shamanic healing performed by Path Home Shamanic Art School certified shamanic practitioners, and the Science of Magic's topic-driven radio episode collections where I interview today's leading experts on science and magic. All of this designed to inform, support, and empower you through these changing times. 
Visit us in all we have to offer at findyourpathhome.com. That's findyourpathhome.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Mnemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and we are discussing consciousness with Dr. Rocco Gennaro. Uh, Dr. Gennaro, if I break the screen on my laptop computer and my screen is how I interact with the inner workings or the, the, the actual consciousness of the computer, the part that thinks and does and computes, but my only interaction with it, my only measurement of its viability is through the screen that I can, I can move through. Can I then 
either put a new screen on it or transfer the inner workings of my laptop to another laptop and interact with it with another screen. Is the screen what we can measure with our devices on brain activity? And is that separate from the actual workings of the laptop that are still going on even though I can't interact with them? You mean sort of an analogy between... Well, an analogy between what's really behind the brain. Okay, we can measure that it's working. We can we can put probes on the brain. Right. We can light it up with MRIs. We can do all these things. We can say, okay, the brain yeah. is doing this. But if that's my interaction as an analogy with just the screen of the computer or say my television set right. is hooked up to Dish Network. Well, if the yeah. TV goes out, I'm still getting, you know, 500 channels in. I just can't watch them. So right. is there still some background stuff going on? Is there still consciousness even though I can't right. measure it? Well, that's uh, that's uh, an one, another one of the kind of objections to the perhaps a response, you might say, to the, the brain damage kind of argument that I mentioned. By analogy, um, I think there are at least a couple of problems with that. I mean... First of all, um, depending how the analogy is exactly framed, uh, it's not just that um, I'm having difficulty accessing something from the third-person point of view from the outside. In the case of a, a brain-damaged person, that person from his or her own point of view right, is clearly damaged. So, you know, if you think of the analogy, supposed to be, well, consciousness still kind of goes on uh, somehow unaffected, um, but from the first-person point of view of that patient or that person, um, they're having pretty clearly serious problems. They can't remember some things. They're having deficiencies. They can't understand language anymore if there's damage to a different area of the brain. So, you know, the idea that, well, the TV is destroyed or the computer and there's still some external signal that's unaffected, I mean, if, if that's... If, uh, by that analogy, the person who suffers brain damage shouldn't, from their point of view, um, feel any negative effects. It would just be from our third-person point of view. And it doesn't seem kind of realistic, right? I mean, it's not just that, oh, I'm having trouble accessing something by talking to this person or by uh, using mental imagery, I mean, uh, uh, some some kind of uh, uh, instrument, MRIs, whatever it is, it's that the person, him or herself, is unable to, um, uh, is unable to understand something or see something or communicate, remember something. Um, so there is, there doesn't seem to be anything quite analogous to, well, this independent signal, let's say, or independent thing is unaffected. Um, uh, it is kind of it does seem affected and and uh, and it would be it would be a curious kind of response in the sense that you know dualism or f versions of dualism there's always going to be the preference for the for uh, emphasis on the first person point of view right and uh, that's certainly one of the differences generally between dualism and materialism you know materialists do tend to think you know you got to look at both. The person reports things. The person says things. You can get feedback. Um, certainly, there are experiments that can be done. And uh, but the emphasis is a bit more. You might say a little more scientific, right? You, you know, the, the third person scientific inquiry, neuropsychology, and so on. Um, 
Whereas um, traditionally, and certainly historically, uh, belief in something more like dualism comes from, well, you know, from the first person point of view, you know, it, boy, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like my conscious states are, you know, brain states, or it's not the way it appears. And, and that may be true. It's the, it's the materialist that'll say, you know, oh yeah, right. It doesn't seem like it, but that's really what's going on there. There isn't the, there aren't, um, there aren't two things going on, you know, the mental states over here and the brain states over there. There's, there's just, uh, if you're an identity theorist, as they're called, there's just the one. Um, but from the first person point of view, when there's brain damage, there's mental damage. Consciousness is damaged from that first person point of view. It would, it seems like it'd be kind of silly to say to an Alzheimer's patient, you know, something along the lines of, you know, well, your, your conscious mind is not really affected. It's just that we can't access it, or, or maybe you can't even access it. It's still functioning fine with no damage, but even you can't access or you can't um, experience it. Uh, that seems a little odd because the whole point or part of the whole point of, uh, of the view that the, of something more like a dualist view is that from that first-person point of view, uh, consciousness is, is something different. And uh, if it is damaged, then that's part of the problem. Uh, but it's, it's uh, the, that's a kind of question that comes up uh, historically. That's been called the, uh, I think it's been called the instrument view as a kind of response to that brain damage type of argument that I mentioned earlier. It's, you know, when it's, you uh, people put it, in, yeah. When you talked earlier about reincarnation. Uh, there are a number yeah, yeah. of videos on YouTube. There are a number of uh, true life events. There have been books written. Uh, there have been serious studies about um, the concept of reincarnation and the fact that um, right. one person dies and then that soul, that spirit, that consciousness, whatever that is that we can't see or measure or whatever, then becomes a new person in a, do, in a new place on the earth in a new time. And you know, one of the one of the most well known is a uh, a child named Charlie, who at the age of two started drawing World War II airplanes out of out of nothing. He wouldn't have any input on how right. he would have known about that. And from the moment he was able to speak, he kept calling himself uh, John, and he kept talking stories uh. about how he was shot down over the Pacific. He could name the flight he was on. He could name the the captain of his uh, attack group. He could name all of his buddies that were shot down and killed. He could name some of the battles he was in before his death. And he was able, by the time he was four or five years old, to draw with crayons and relive this entire story of his life as a pilot in the Pacific during World War II. And this was in the late, uh, what, 1990s that he was born as, as, a, as a child. And when they started yeah, looking yeah. through the historical documents, they found out that everything he was talking about actually really did happen in that order and in those ways. And it was absolutely true because they have the documents, they have the military records of, of this other person. And he would have had no way of knowing about this at the age that he was and would have had no input on it. How is, is there some kind of a, a way that we can explain how this works? Because this isn't the only kind of... Uh, uh, incident where that has happened. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, a very interesting kind of scenario, and there are, I mean, obviously you're going to have some people that are going to be just 
overly skeptical, you know, maybe too skeptical or conspiracy theorists, you know, somebody put them up to it or the kid read something and we don't know, or the parents uh, left these books around and they didn't know, or who knows? I mean, I don't know if I want to go that far. In some of these cases, I think there's perhaps something more going on. Um, I mean, there are several ways that at least I'm aware that people have responded to that, maybe from a more uh, materialist, uh, sometimes people use physicalist point of view. Um, You know, one is that, again, just by sheer statistics, you know, you're bound to get some people who, um, you know, come across or say these things and turn out to be true. But again, that seems like it's overstating, you know, a little too much of a coincidence or, or whatever it is. But leaving aside those types of skepticism, and I mean, you know, it's not obvious how reincarnation works if it is true, right? In the in all cases, um, you know, people have problems with well, who's you know who's in charge, who's deciding where the, this soul goes or that mind goes or that conscious activity goes. So there seems to be a bit of an arbitrariness there. The only response I'm familiar with, where someone might be a, a full-blown materialist might say something like this. They might say, well, uh, look, if the mind is the brain or consciousness depends on brain activity, uh, look, when the brain stops functioning, um, still matter is a form of energy, uh, which is a kind of standard view in physics. Uh, Conservation of energy principle says, you know, matter is not, I mean, energy is not created or destroyed. So some might wonder, you know, well, what happens to the energy um, when a person dies? And so you're talking at a more fundamental level than just brains, uh, which are material, but there's a deeper physical reality. Now, you know, nobody can explain if, you know, well, your energy goes this place. I mean, most people don't believe in and won't, won't believe in life after death in that scenario because it's, again, hard to pinpoint, you know, a personal identity that, that goes with it. For every case you described, there's a zillion cases, right, where that that doesn't happen, right, for most people, the vast, vast majority. Um, But maybe it's possible, some have speculated, maybe it's possible that uh, in some cases, uh, energy of some dying person or a person in World War II, like that that example, somehow uh, it's not destroyed, of course. It's not completely destroyed. So if uh, we have writings from about 10,000 years ago, uh, maybe even more, uh, from uh, scholars all around the world that have been writing about uh, concepts of uh, reincarnation, concepts of uh, spirits separate from the body. How did they arrive at these conclusions without the, the scientific apparatus that we have today? Well, I mean, I think there's several potential reasons for it. I mean, one is really in the absence of a lot of scientific knowledge about the brain, it might make more sense to think of the mind as something, conscious mind, that is not that is not physical, right? I mean, um, throughout the centuries, and um, there's the more natural view that, hey, you know, conscious, my, my conscious mental activity doesn't seem to be something physical. It doesn't appear that way. It's only when you get into the more scientific way of thinking about neurology, the neurophysiology that you might think it's tied to the brain. And, and then, of course, we have, you know, the latest instruments and machines to detect and to experiment with. The other reason, I think, is that, and this is still holds today, is 
there's a very natural desire, um, psychological desire, uh, certainly a materialist would even concede this, uh, to believe in something beyond this world. I mean, um, now, just because there's a desire or doesn't mean it's true, but there's certain, maybe it's uh, some reason to think it, but a lot of people, uh, certainly there's this desire to think this can't be all there is to it. Uh, there must be a heaven or, or ultimate reward or hell, ultimate punishment, or reincarnation where, you know, in some sense your soul or spirit or mind goes on in a different way at least. And uh, just psychologically speaking, the idea that uh, there's something more to this world uh, and more to one's life um, seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, you go back far enough, uh, you know, life expectancies uh, were so much shorter. Um, uh, Absolutely. Well, we're going to take one more break and we'll come back for our final segment in just a moment. My friends, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we'll be right back talking more about consciousness with Dr. Rocco Gennaro. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back, my friends. You're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host and guide, Joe Wegent. As always, our show is produced and distributed by the ever-expanding leader in New Age, Paranormal, Alternative Health, and Supernatural Programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and Relmar McConnell Media Company. At their corporate headquarters and master control in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. To learn more about the World Beyond Radio Show, your host, or to discover a wealth of other amazing shows and hosts, please visit www.xzbn.net. To contact me or to inquire about being a guest on the World Beyond, please email me at Joe Wegent. That's Joe, W-E-I-G-A-N-T, at xzbn.net. For more information, you can visit my websites, www.paranormalpeace.com and www.reikichoice, that's R-E-I-K-I, choice.com. This hour, we have been talking with Dr. Rocco Gennaro, who is the philosophy chair at the University of Southern Indiana. Uh, Dr. Gennaro, is there a way that our listeners can contact you for more information? Oh, sure. Um, probably the best way would be by uh, email. Um, the email address is rjgennaro, uh, G-E-N-N-A-R-O, at usi.edu. Um, that's probably the best way, and uh, this way I get I have that person's uh, email address and we could keep in touch. And, and uh, there are all kinds of international conferences, too, where 
sometimes you meet people at international conferences on consciousness and some that even foster this east-west relationship that uh, i mentioned earlier that uh, we sometimes try to keep in touch and sometimes develop an email list um, because there are a number of you know different views and people have their you know own views and uh Sometimes it's best to, you know, air out. That's what one of the things I like about philosophy is that, uh, you know, you, you you take an idea and then you see how far it can go and how much, how well it can stand up to uh, to uh, criticism and objection. All of these views have problems, um, and uh, that's something we always have to keep in mind. Uh, and this is true of a lot of the perennial problems in philosophy. It's It's not like there's any one view that there's no objections to or no potential problems with or anything like that. Uh, it's just to what extent do you think maybe those difficulties are uh, are not as bad as the objections to the other view, you know, uh, like I was talking about materialism and, and dualism. Or, so there are these objections on the one side, but there are objections on the other. And, and uh, there are other kinds of uh, metaphysical views about consciousness and mind that are even a bit different. Uh, than uh, than these, I could get into a few other views if you'd like. Um, but um, Easter I just recently listened to a uh, a uh, a course on Audible, and uh, it was about metaphysics. And the uh, the person who is who is reading the course was discussing all the uh, advancements in the way we understand the universe by quantum physics and how quantum physics really actually doesn't prove that anything exists at all and what is the definition of existing but at the end of the the day you know his uh his final uh, theory that he put out there was you know that there's a good chance that our entire universe is either a a, a computer program that's run to be this way or another popular view that's it's come along in the last uh, 10 years that I've noticed is that the entire universe is a hologram uh, what are your thoughts on on those two issues? Well, I mean, um, on the one hand, one thing I love about philosophy is you explore all the possibilities. On the other hand, uh, sometimes people uh, maybe go a little overboard, and you, you know, nothing wrong with a great imagination and talking about all the possibilities. But there's a difference between thinking of something as a possibility and having reason to believe it or have evidence for it. In those cases, at least, I'm not quite sure there's any evidence for it. You know. Um, that doesn't mean it's not a possible position, um, but there are a lot of possible positions. And, you know, again, it's a, it's also a comparative thing. And what's the evidence for it uh, that it's all a hologram um, as opposed to uh, something else? So, you know, I, I would need to know a little more in some, you know, in some cases. Uh, people just throw out uh, possibilities and run with it, and, and sometimes uh, something may come of it. Maybe it's even true, you know, but how could you even know it is the other question that comes up. Um, how could you know it's true? How could you know it's false? Um, uh, there comes a point where sometimes people, you know, like, well, you know, you could throw out all kinds of, of possibilities, and I'm not really quite sure what the evidence is. On the other hand, uh, when you mentioned quantum physics, there are quantum theories of consciousness, and they're... Um, you know, sometimes I get a little dizzy when I read them or read about them. There's a lot of heavy-duty mathematics involved usually at some point. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure I even understand some of the views. But um, 
again, though, you're going to have some people who think, you know, well, you've got some people here who say consciousness is a mystery, it's strange, it's odd, doesn't seem physical and all that. And you've got this other theory over here, quantum physics, that's pretty bizarre. You know, maybe they have something to do with each other. <laughs> maybe, maybe somehow, um, especially when you're talking about fundamental level of, of the universe, energy, and so on. Maybe there's a connection between the two. And, and uh, like we were saying before, uh, the brain or the material brain is not the most fundamental level um, at which uh, reality is. It's, it's something deeper, uh, uh, even perhaps subatomic in some way. And, uh, you know, there are some interesting, some interesting uh, I would say more than speculations, uh, questions about where or how that might uh, be manifested in the brain. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure, again, uh, if it's gotten to the point yet of, well, there's some positive evidence for it, rather than, you know, hey, maybe this is another avenue to pursue and, and maybe very intriguing and interesting and, and uh and I've um, I've been involved in uh, in talking to some people along those lines, but it's hard to know uh, what to make of it. But um, like I said earlier about energy and um, as opposed uh, maybe energy that can continue on and not be destroyed. Some quantum theories or some people who hold that type of view um, do maybe think that the view holds out a little more promise for something like. Uh, you know, mind without bodies or consciousness without the brain uh, for that reason, because it's consciousness, maybe it occurs at a much more deep level in the brain, um, not at just the level of uh, brain, you know, material brain that is more on the macro level. So maybe something could continue on. It's it's an interesting avenue of research. Uh, it's, um, there are even some physicists uh, there's a well-known anesthesiologist who has argued for this position, um, and um, it's it's uh, it's something that's getting some attention. Certainly, like, like I said, last 10, uh, 15 years, especially. Um, I'm not convinced it's the best theory at this point, but it's it's certainly one of the uh, one of the avenues to pursue. I mean, there is another there is another historical view, uh, uh, more prominent in the East, uh, called idealism. Um, in Western philosophy, uh, you have uh, uh, Barclay, uh, Bishop Barclay is maybe the best uh, example. But and that's again, it's a very different view. It's that uh, it's not just that the mind is non-physical, uh, but that there are only non-physical uh, minds and ideas and God, and that's it. Um, so in a sense, um, you have uh, you have that view. But you know, again. That seems a little hard to, you know, to to, to buy for many people. Um, it seems like there's something outside of me, you know, causing my perceptions. It seems like it's reasonable to think there's a mind-independent uh, physical world out there. Uh, that doesn't mean things are the way they appear exactly. That would be kind of naive, but that there at least seems to be something mind-independent. But idealism is a view, you know, that uh, that you have a little more prevalent in Eastern philosophy. The other thing you have in Eastern philosophy that's very different than than the West is uh, what I was mentioning earlier, uh, which was there seems to be much less of a desire in the Eastern thought to uh, to say there's this thing called you or yourself or uh, a self that goes on after death, or even on on Earth here, uh, 
that there really is a self. It's it's more, uh, you know, even Buddhists, I mean, the whole point of some of Buddhism is to dissolve the self away. You know, you're not really a thing. You're, you know, that sort of. So, you know, maybe some of these worries or beliefs in an afterlife or even reincarnation, um, that does seem to be this, uh, a lot more emphasis of the, on the, in the West on continuity of a person continuing to exist. Where in the East, it doesn't seem to be quite that same level of, need a, uh, of desire for that view um but reincarnation is 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 the one place where something maybe like it uh you 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 might find um so if one takes a materialistic view then it basically reduces us to uh, the the level of crickets or insects or something that once all neural activity ceases then who we are ceases at that moment then well i mean you know a materialist could say you know it's not who you are ceases you are just your you are your body and your brain and maybe you're mainly your brain i mean you could lose you could, you could lose your limbs and still be you but if you lose half your brain that's a little different so you're still a person um and uh, I don't know if it would reduce us to... Well, I'm going to have to cut you short there. We've uh, reached the okay. end of our show. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. And folks, you, this has been another hour of the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we sure appreciate you tuning in. Have a great day. Goodbye. <laughs>